Hey, common scientists, we are excited to be coming to you this week with the topic of sex and gender. So you may have heard last week, there might be a little disagreement today. We'll see what happens. We're going to shake things up a bit. Just to remind our audience, we are not experts. We are common scientists. Our whole goal is to come to the table and ask questions and do a little seeking for some truth, right? So We are coming together today to have a conversation about sex and gender. And I'm actually going to kick it off with a bit of a story. Um, And it's from Eve Ensler's I Am an Emotional Creature. It's a national bestseller. I'll start with just a teeny bit about Eve Ensler. She was previously known mononymously as just V. She's an American playwright, performer, feminist, and activist, and she's best known for her play, The Vagina Monologues. In 2006, she was named probably the most important piece of political theater, or it was named probably the most important piece of political theater of the last decade um, by Charles Ishward. So you can see she's kind of a badass, I think. I'm clearly biased, though. So this is titled, What Don't You Like About Being a Girl? Girls can't control anything. Boys can do what they want. My brother is adored. I am ignored. My boobs. People talk about my boobs. People assuming you can't do something. My boobs. It all changed with my boobs. Blood, cramps, seven days. People think you're weak. A girl can get pregnant. You have to do your hair. You have to remove your hair. Wash and iron clothes. More chance of being raped. Have to take care of husbands and kids. Girls can't work even though they are educated. So on that note, Miss Eve Ensler is kicking us off. And I will kick it to Aiden or Dre with any feedback or thoughts that were evoked from that first piece from Eve. My first thoughts are that 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 is just a, a very apt... Uh, description of the condition of of a girl and and woman in today's society uh, and one one thing that I came across in in my research that I think would be good to kind of clarify now um, and either maybe Dre could give his understanding of the difference uh, is so I mean we're talking about a, a woman and a girl but like sex versus gender because that's that's the topic and, and yeah, what, what's your, uh, I guess maybe your take on that little piece and then take on sex and gender? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the piece was good. Um, it it um, brought something to mind. So I was watching, Em and I were watching Euphoria together not too long ago. And there's one episode, I can't remember what the character's name is, but she's like one of the main characters who's blonde um not jewels but like i can't remember what her name is but once she hit puberty um and grew like boobs all of a sudden like her uncles and like grandfathers and like other male figures in her life started giving her like longer hugs and like paying her more attention and like touching her on the shoulder more and all these certain things and obviously portrayed in that way it was really salient and disgusting and i was just kind of like ooh, like it made me really uncomfortable obviously because she was probably like 12 or portrayed as 12 at that point in time and that definitely came to mind with that reading. And then also, well, sit on that, I had Em and I kind of talked about this, and she's like, "Yeah, and you know, she's busty, my wife." And she was like, "Yeah, as soon as like it hit me when I was twelve or thirteen or whatever, it was, it was like it was pretty much the same thing. Like you just get a completely different attention from guys, and unfortunately, men when you're only thirteen. And 
or whatever age you are when you start, you know, developing those secondary sexual characteristics and, um, or primary. Um, but yeah, so that came to mind right away. And I just kind of got like this kind of gross feeling about, like you guys said, our society and how we look at women and girls and, um, just going to obviously that goes into se um, sexual objectification and all that type of stuff. So that is really, really tough when it comes to sex and gender. Um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm any expert, but sex essentially is how, um, it, it's supposed to be like kind of chromosomal, right? You look at your XY versus XX and there's other variations as well. And that making a slate more complicated, but, and then it's like your primary sexual characteristics, like do you have balls and a dick or do you have ovaries and a vagina etc cetera, etc cetera, um or vulva etc and um a lot of times what kind of gets really complicated with even with sex is that doctors they usually only confirm the biological sex of a child by their external characteristics so do they have a penis or not essentially and that can get really really complicated because you obviously intersex is a whole deal where you can have different chromosomes in your phenotype. You can have multiple different, um, like you can have penis and a vagina or whatever, penis and ovaries, et cetera, et cetera. It's all these different um, amalgamations, different combinations of what a human can be. And so that gets really complicated. So that's kind of sex. It is rooted, or should be rooted at least in biology. Gender, on the other hand, is, go ahead, Lauren. So actually, I want to go back to sex because you mentioned some important pieces that I want to suss out a little bit more. Yes. Um, so before you are born or at birth, you have essentially five different layers of sex. Okay, so Dre got into a little bit of, of the pieces of sex that make it kind of complicated, and I just want to highlight this because it's not often talked about. Um, so there is chromosomal sex that's your first layer right do you have at a very genetic level an x and a y chromosome or two x chromosomes and that is what determines generally how the next pieces will develop now there's all sorts of things that can happen in between and i'll say xy is male and xx is female um aiden did you want to say uh, i was just gonna ask if you could clarify that yeah. for our listeners. And this is a really tiny portion of our DNA altogether. So layer one, chromosomal sex. Then we have the fetal gonadal sex, which refers to the general term for testes or ovaries. So that's like what is happening internally? What do you have internally? And then we have fetal hormonal sex, which will determine testosterone levels in men, estrogen levels in women, right? Um, and then internal reproductive sex, which is like, do you have a uterus? Do you have a cervix? Do you have an epididymis in males? That's what produces your sperm, all you men who don't know where your sperm comes from. <laughs> and finally, then you have genital sex. So not expecting anyone to remember all these things, but at the very least to think about that it's super complicated and that for actually a quite a large percentage of our population, we these all don't all match. You might and you might be a woman primarily, but then you have high levels of testosterone and the list goes on and on and on. And we've seen examples of that in athletics and we've seen examples of that um, in studies that we've we've done of of women or men who have chromosomal differences. Needless to say, before we even get to gender, there is complexity, right? Yeah, absolutely. How about, um, I mean, 
Right. Before we even get to gender, but there is complexity and it's bonkers to me how many layers there are to it. Um, I think that it'd be good to continue to lay lay the groundwork for the rest of our conversation. We can then get maybe more into the history of gender roles and sex as well. But Dre, what was your, um, yeah, what's your understanding of what gender is then? Yeah. Again, before we get into gender roles, no gender at all. Um, yeah, I, that's. Thank you so much for um, laying that out there, Lauren, because it is. And I remember when I was either in high school or college, really diving into all the different permutations of what someone's sex could be and could look like as a human being. And I don't know. Obviously, when you're a kid, life is more black and white. You just you don't have the understanding. You don't have the paradigm, all that type of stuff. And I was just like floored by it. I was just like, whoa, like how is this even? And I remember, and this is like a little bit kind of silly and like not exactly the same thing. But like I remember seeing like sometimes like women who had like a little bit more mustache, like a girl or whatever. And you kind of think like, oh, like why does that girl like she's got a mustache like a boy or like whatever. And I remember seeing that like as a kid and kind of thinking that was kind of interesting. But I never would ever imagine like, oh, wait, like that person might look 100% like a woman, how we think a woman looks. And but she also might have XY chromosomes. And just like all these, and I don't know, that really just blew my mind as a kid. And I'm sure a lot of people still have no idea or have such a very shallow understanding of that concept. That Even in biology class, right, you learn XXXY. So if you're a biology student or you've gone to college, you've probably heard of that. Right. Um, and you think, you might think that it's as black as white, black and white as that. But right. that's only layer one out of out of five layers, right? Right. Before, like <laughs> until you're just born. So mm-hmm. Im- important, I think, to highlight moving into the gender conversation. Yeah, and just to even add to the as just <laughs> <laughs> obviously we can go on and on and on, but uh, yeah, just right, exactly. Even at the so at the chromosome level, you listed I think five different levels, uh, Lauren. But even at the chromosome level the one level uh at the genetic level i mean some people might be xxy some mm-hmm. people might have three x's some people might i mean so, and the list goes on and on and and that's just again there's more confounding variables and and just to elaborate a little bit more for our listeners a chromosome is like a chunk of our dna it's like it, there we have 46 of them uh two of which or is it 48 Two of which are sex chromosomes. No, 46. 46 total. Uh, two of which are sex chromosomes. And and so they like a chromosome is a package of DNA or a package of information that tells us how we are going to develop and grow into the beautiful humans that we are. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And as Dre mentioned, often our sex is decided just based off of our genitalia. And as I just kind of mentioned, that is level five, right? So there are four other things internally that could be going on um, that might not match up with whether you have a penis or a vagina. So way complex. And we're not even the experts, right? Like, <laughs> no. We're just the people who are like, oh, it's, it's complicated. Yeah, So sure. yeah, let's move into gender though a little bit. So now we know that by the time a human is born, they already have five layers of complexity determining their biological characteristics, right? And then you enter society and you have the opportunity to grow and learn and develop your gender. So I don't know if one of you guys want to take a stab at a definition for gender before I jump into the theory. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so gender to my very very <laughs> opaque understanding is essentially how it is obviously influenced by sex there is obviously a correlation but it is more so the expectations and the norms that a society um, or like a culture kind of pushes upon people so like when it comes to obviously like you can be whatever sex you are but at the end of the day if you dress a certain way you're going to be dressing like a boy or a girl if you talk a certain way, swear or high pitch or low pitch, you're going to be, you're not talking like a sex, you're talking like a gender, boy or girl. So it's kind of these expectations that the society has for you, behavioral norms that kind of help people predict and decide what binary people should be in. Absolutely. I think that was a great, a great overview. And to again, highlight the complexity of this, you can have gender um, associated in many different categories. So there's gender display. Do you look like a woman? Do you wear pink and red? And now let me preface, a lot of these things are based off of generalizations, right? So we're speaking to what a Western world might see as an ideal woman, and even that could be debated. But I'm just throwing that out there. I don't always wear pink and red. Ironically, I'm wearing pink right now. But anyways, so gender display. Then there can be your belief, gender belief. Do I feel like a woman? Do I believe I'm a woman? Um, then processes. Do I behave like a woman? Right? Um, personality. That's similar to processes, but more specific to like my emotions, right? Um and then gendered sexual orientation. Do I prefer men? That is generally seen as a gendered uh, woman trait. Um, and then your marital and procreative status. So not only do I like, do, am I sexually interested in men, but then do I want to procreate and marry a man? Those are two separate things. Um, and then my identity, and then even my sex category. So again, a lot to unpack there, but at a high, high level to just give you a better sense that this too then is layered. And this is actually, according to Anne Fosto Sterling, she's, um, I mean, a fantastic researcher in the space of sex and gender. So different researchers will have different layers, but to give you an idea, so now we had five layers that determine sex by birth, okay? And then we have now, I think, eight more that might all come together to create your gender. Do I feel like a woman? Do I feel like a man? Um, and beyond man and woman, there's space in between. Dre, do you feel like a man and why or why not? Uh, that's a good question. Um, do I feel like a man at times? Um, I think, I, I don't know what my base would be, but I don't really think about it over, like overly too much. Like there, there's definitely times where I'm like, I'm a grown ass man. Like if I'm in a situation and I'm trying to like exude bravado and like dominance or something in a situation, confidence. Um, and there's times where that's true, but there's also times where I've kind of said that and kind of like, ugh, like, and I don't know if that's more so whether I feel like a male or female, whatever you want to say. But, or if it's just like, I just don't like the idea of being grown up. <laughs> I, like, I think that is also a big part of it. It's like, I like to, like, I want to be like that childlike imagination and all that type of stuff. And 
But do I feel like a man? Um, there's definitely been times in my life where I didn't feel a lot like a boy or a manly man or whatever you want to call it. Um, largely probably because I'm just kind of a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more brooding, um, introspective. Um, yeah, so I, in general, though, I think, yes, I don't have any issue with someone being like, you're a man. Like, I'm just like, okay, like, that's fine. Maybe if I was raised under a different scope with a different um, purview of how I understand sex and gender, maybe then I would be more open to being like, you know what, I don't know if I'm a man. Like, I feel kind of this. I'm not sure exactly how that would work um, or if that would even have any impact. But just because of I did have so many differences with some of my peers, especially like growing up as kind of like a jock and like seeing how they talk and how they interact. And I'm sure a lot of them were hiding a lot of emotions and sensitivities and things like that as well. But just kind of in turn, just being like, I'm not really that similar to these guys a lot of times. And that actually led to a few times my views on kind of like um, my feelings, I should say, on being hyper masculine and how it, it what it means to interact with women or girls at that time, because I was a teenager. Um, that led to a, like a number of times throughout my childhood, people asking if I were gay questioning my sexuality because I felt a little bit different. That made me question my sexuality as well. Um, and that's obviously sexual preference, not necessarily my biology or gender. But yeah, so, I mean, obviously that's loquacious and it's complicated and I don't, I haven't spent a ton of my life thinking about it, but something that's come to mind. Um, but yeah, I have no issue to answer your question with someone else calling me a man and I tend to call myself a man <laughs> and a boy and a male. So yeah, uh, you, how about you? Uh, yeah, uh, I would, I would, just I just want to say um, yeah I think that uh, we can relate in terms of the introspective and end of being on the more introspective end of things in terms of uh, being more uh, more generally self-reflective and that being uh, at least in my from my perspective a less traditionally like masculine trait when I think of masculine I think of more action oriented more whatever uh, so I think that the the self-reflection uh, is one big piece uh, and then the other big piece too that I, I think I would also relate to you on uh, is the uh, like more more sensitive and, and more considering of uh, yeah I mean like female emotions or, or whatever else um, or a woman's emotions because uh, obviously the the language there uh might be problematic by some people so yeah i mean i would just i would just echo that yeah i would have no problem with somebody calling, calling me a man or myself <laughs> saying that i'm a man um <laughs> but you. yeah no problems there um <laughs> but yeah i mean it, it is just funny because there is definitely some some tension throughout one's life especially when what you're talking about about like in the locker room or whatever else growing up where uh yeah there might be some some other little boys uh hiding their feelings and and, and yeah uh yeah saying some of those things but yeah and to that point and to that wording and one of the reasons why i worded it that way is because um sure i lost my train of thought so you, we both said I would have no issue with someone else calling me a man. Oh yeah. So what I was gonna say is because like one of the reasons why I worded it that way is because I don't like take pride in being a man. 
I'm not like, oh, like men are like, we're the best, you know? It's like, I want to dominate and do this and do that. Not that I don't want to do that at times, but just like, it's not like a thing where I'm like, that's why I kind of worded it that way, where it's like, yeah, I don't have any problem with this, it. but I'm also, I'm not like, I'm just a man, you know? Like, <laughs> sometimes my ego gets hit and I want to be, and I, like I said, I want to be boastful in this and be like, take up space and do these masculine things. So sometimes that definitely comes out. That's definitely a part of me, right? I have a lot of testosterone, but it's not like, I'm just not like everyday in my life. Like, I love to be a man. It's so amazing. Everything's the best for men, you know? I'm just like, I don't know. Like, it's not my thing, I guess. Lauren, how about you? First, a couple of comments. You're like, oh, I don't want to brag about being a man, and yet you made a point of saying that you have a lot of testosterone. We can put a pin in that. And then Aiden, <laughs> Aiden you said that you um, are generally more sensitive, but is it not true that you score low in conscientiousness on the big five? Uh, I don't know. if I don't think conscientiousness is necessarily tied to sensitive. Mm -hmm. Is it? I, I don't know. I I would think so, but I just would. I I'm, that was I'm highly agreeable on the big uh, five, which okay. I think is more tied to that. Um, yeah, I, I'm not totally sure. I think conscientious, does that have to do with orderly? Maybe? Yes. Well, just a quick Google search says the quality of wishing to do one's work or duty well and thoroughly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. I was a little off base yeah. there then. Um, for those who do not know, the big five is a measure of personality that's often talked about where you're measured um, in O-C-E-A-N, openness, conscientiousness, um, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And based on those five categories, you, um, you're able to be scored, right? So uh, being Aiden's partner, I, knew, I know of some of his scores, so I was curious. So those are, were my two thoughts right off the bat and um, off base of the conscientiousness, but, but maybe seeing something with Dre's uh, I'm a man speech. Um, <laughs> speech. Soliloquy. <laughs> Tirade. All right. How about you and yeah. your own identification? Yeah. So I most certainly feel like a woman. I'm proud to be a woman. I have no problem with anyone identifying me as a woman. Um particularly because most of the societally seen traits of what makes a woman womanly, I identify strongly with. So I like to dress up. I enjoy wearing makeup at times. Uh, the things that you would most generally see, like, oh, that's a woman. I also have fairly big boobs. Um, and so those things contribute to... Tris laughing at me. I'm like, so those things contribute to what people see as womanly. Um unfortunately, in some ways. Uh, outside of those things, though, I actually fall into more of a complex category of gender, gender identity because in some of the areas of that layered gender that I talked about, I actually fall almost exactly in the middle and um, in, some, in some instances more toward the, the other end of the spectrum. If one end of the spectrum is being the most womanly woman and one outside of the spectrum is being the most manly man, right? There are some instances where I might fall um, closer to the manly side in some of my mannerisms. So it's a little complicated, but overall I'm certainly very happy to be identified as a woman. I just also have some characteristic tendencies that men do, like being overly or being 
assertively communicative and some other things like that. Um, yeah, I think I think you speaking to the I mean, obviously, the complexity of the situation uh, is is quite in, informative. And then um, but it is kind of it is kind of tough because uh, at the end of the day, uh, there needs to be. Well, I don't know if there needs to be, but there there is uh, based on our society and how it's structured now a, a need to uh, put oneself in one category or the other, or have other people put you in one category or the other. Um, I think Dre, you mentioned having done a little bit of research into the history of of gender norms, and and I was curious what. No, what? I was wondering. Was that, y'all was that, oh, yeah, that's what it was. Oh, okay, never mind. I was uh, just for our listeners too. Then uh, we, these podcasts are, are a little uh, off the cuff in that we each independent independently do our research and then we come together and, and try to come come to truth truth in some regards. Uh, so, yeah, never mind. I was I was mistaken, um, but yeah. Uh, Lauren and Dre, do you guys want to maybe elaborate then on like why this topic? Sure. Yeah, I'll jump in. So um, in a previous cast, Dre and I broached the topic of men versus women in society. That's a really broad generalization. And we wanted to, we wanted to enter this conversation in a scientific way. And so I think laying out the foundation of sex and gender is a great way to start by just saying it's freaking complicated. Okay, so I think prefacing there and then also saying that we're not experts and then also just saying that with the complexity, we are bound to screw up in the words that we use in in what we're talking about. Um, even just saying female versus male or woman versus male or, I mean, it is just complex. But um, yeah, it came up in the last episode, uh, Color, that there were potentially some disagreeances, and it's not so common on the Common Science cast that we disagree on things. So we thought we'd get, we'd get after that a little bit and engage in a conversation about it. So Dre, I don't know if you want to take it from there. Okay. <clears throat> so that, this was in our Color cast, and if you didn't listen to it, all good but essentially i made a statement similar to men have dominated society throughout history and thus created slash dictated the value of specific jobs and their accessibility women have struggled in the workforce partly because a lot of these positions and these um, value judgments have been placed upon by men right by a different gender or sex etc and partly due to their historically kind of restrictive or at least kind of the responsibility for childbearing and i said if women dominate society perhaps there would be higher paying jobs more geared towards the natural inclinations of women and i think where i mostly kind of went wrong and kind of like as i was kind of trying to juggle slash tiptoe around um jobs or occupations etc that would be predominantly male or predominantly female and i didn't want to 
without the research or anything in front of me, I didn't want to misspeak on what was a male dominated or female dominated field. But I also didn't want to be like super cliche and be like, women can breastfeed and men are really strong or something like that. So it kind of ended up being like a mixture of both where I was like economics or accounting or something like that is a male dominated field and this and that. But if women, and I couldn't really think in that moment of like what a very female dominated field is, so I was like, women, and I, then I ended up saying a couple of things, and then I think where I really went laughing was when I said breastfeeding, and that's obviously just like crazy stereotypical and like very offensive. Um, so my bad, y'all. But my point essentially was that, yes, like if, well, let, let's just take, and maybe we'll disagree again here, let's take just these physical kind of evolutionary, like very primal things. Men tend to be, at least in the extremes, physically stronger than women yeah women in general it's not to like again we're talking about gender and sexual stuff so i don't mean to like obviously but just in general can breastfeed and men can't so if there was a society written by women and they happened to place a high a high value judgment on breastfeeding then women would be far more successful in that society versus if we had some weird hypothetical society where men and this doesn't have to be that hypothetical because this was a real thing throughout history, place their value judgment on strength, like I'm just the strongest, I can take what I want, then men would then dominate that society. That was essentially my point. And then you can go with your disagreement with what I'm saying now or then or whatever. Okay. So you are saying that because, because historically men have dominated in the workforce, and you use the word success, which I'm guessing you mean to you mean equates to like monetary, monetary success and potentially power and autonomy. Power, autonomy, resources, okay. social status. Yeah. Okay. That in the society we live in now, it makes sense that men are where they are because that has historically been important. However, if we lived in a society where something that women were more I don't want to that you believe women were more set up for they may then dominate society so your your argument really is that it just makes sense where we are today based on that is that true um I okay I don't want to say I don't agree because I wasn't I'm not quite sure on your what what are you what are you asking me if I agree with (laughs) (laughs) This is common science, folks. It's messy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if what you're, the only thing that you're saying right now mm-hmm. is a justification for why we are today where we are. Yes. And this was also in response to Aiden asking if we'd ever had true equality in the world throughout races, religions, sexes, genders, etc. And this was like I was saying we probably won't have that because there's always going to be a person or a group in power that wants to make a value judgment on like this is what's worth more money this is what's worth more power this is what's worth more or whatever is valued and that group throughout history has been men throughout history has been men yes huh okay so according to nigel edley from men and masculinity there is some speculation amongst historians about when the first signs appeared of a gendered division of labor. Okay, bear with me. 
Cynthia Cockburn argues that there is evidence of a split dating back thousands of years to the beginning of the Bronze Age. So that would very much support what Joy was just saying. However, he continues, but like most of her peers, she maintains that the sharpest divide has emerged quite recently since the start of the Industrial Revolution. Hmm. In agrarian societies, it was and still is quite common for men and women to work side by side. Uh, before industrialization, there was little to no separation between the realms of work and home. So what this is really saying is that it was actually in the United States especially and in um, societies that were involved in World War II, it was especially after the end of World War II and the beginning mid of the Industrial, Revolu- the Industrial Revolution that we saw more separation, more gendered jobs. Um, so I don't think that it's true that all of, for most, I don't think it's true that for most of society we've seen gendered roles where men dominate women. I think that's actually quite recent. Um, I would just, I, th- I think, I think one of the, one of the kind of issues that I think I hear, um, between your your both of your arguments is that I th- my my hearing of, of Dre is that uh, like because men have placed these value judgments on these different occupations uh, those occupations have like led to more power and, and all these things um, and uh, the the problem I think I have with this the argument of Nigel Edley is or I think that's his name Mm -hmm. is that um, while yes there's been more like job jobs and more specialization of jobs like thinking back to even I mean medieval ages where knights were given land I mean, it's it's like I'm I'm seeing a disconnect in terms of the, uh, like larger economic structure that was like set up in these different time periods. Because right now we're in a capitalist society where everything runs around a job that where you're paid for it, whereas before, what you would get is not necessarily like money or payment or whatever. It, it like in feudal society. Like men were given land, um, so I guess I'm not sure if you're trying, if Lauren, if I'm hearing you right or not. But like, if if I guess, yeah, I just I feel like men have historically dominated. Do you agree with that statement? Or ho- historically held more power? Yeah, I would say that. Women? I would I would say that historically in general men have held more power what i am meaning to highlight is that it has not always been as divided as it is and certainly not in america and in what america was founded on in some ways um, particularly in the area of work so i'm trying to highlight some of the complexity i don't disagree that men have historically dominated i think that that would be a little absurd to claim <laughs> but at the end of the day what I want to suss out a little bit more with with you guys is 
to understand a little bit about the gendered roles that we see today. So we've talked now some about how we've gotten to where we are today. And I think there's mostly a general consensus, right? We've talked about that they that men have been historically set up to dominate, therefore they are dominating. What I'd like to understand better is then what you guys think might be right to do now. Are, are we satisfied with this picture of society? Are we, do we think it's, do we think that it is equitable? Is, is equitable, is an equitable society possible? Dre, I think, is saying no. And maybe you don't care. I, I just want to not just, I, I, my knowledge of Dre would say that he cares. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll let him speak for himself, but, um, but like, yeah, I mean, for just to clarify, my personal belief is that um, something that I was trying to puzzle up, puzzle out as well in advance of this cast, um, bringing back to the, the color cast a little bit, but it doesn't, I mean, again, it doesn't matter if you have listened to it or not, um, just the tension between separate but equal, like if we are always going to have, if we progress through society continuing to have women and male or men and women men and women sorry i'm i'm confusing my language a little bit but we can continue to have this binary gender role system like is it at all is it at all possible to achieve total like equity of opportunity i don't think so but i think like going back to the again some of the arguments from the color cast of like the uh, that the idea of pursuing the limit or pursuing uh equity of opportunity is a worthy goal and should definitely be worked towards as much as it can um yeah so i guess that's again my my rough take but um i'll yeah let dre and I do, I want to comment just quick before poor Dre is over there like, I, I have something to say. No, that's I, not enjoyed. No, I appreciate, Aiden, what you said about does Dre care? And I want to highlight um, to any listener and to any and every common scientist that when you're engaging in a conversation that inevitably involves feelings, positing a question in that way, which was not a great question, right? Obviously, Dre cares or he wouldn't be showing up to talk about this. Um, I just want to highlight that personally, too. And I could have better asked maybe, um, is there anything he thinks that we can do about it? Um, and, and is that a goal? I feel like all of this prefacing and um, kind of apologizing is due to me saying I was a sensitive man earlier. So I'm not that sensitive, guys. It's okay. It's okay. I'm a big boy. <laughs> no, but um, um, Aiden, you you did see it really well. I think I probably wouldn't say it any better with with equity and all that type of stuff. And um, separate, equal, a difference. It just um, it seems throughout human history to necessitate inequality. Um. That's part of the reason why I am, I do consider myself a transhumanist is because I don't see humans 
achieving the ideals that we put our, we've tasked ourselves with. So I see us on an evolutionary spectrum, and it's a technological spectrum at this point, um, to transcend our own selves, our own species, Homo sapiens sapien, and get far closer, to, far quicker, and far closer to achieving some of these ideals like equality, um, equal or equal opportunity, equity. Um, so, and do I care? I definitely care um, quite a bit. I definitely think it's still a noble pursuit. I do grow a little despondent with it at times. Um, all, every other cast, it seems like I'm bringing up <laughs> genital mutilation and rape and war and all these crazy crimes, atrocities against humanity. And, um, you know, a lot of that is right along with the domination of men over females or women, see, nah, did it get to men over women throughout human history. And I think that that's I mean, one of the reasons why I brought it up, one of the reasons why um, I think about it quite a bit about talking about the value judgments that, and when I say value judgments, I mean men saying this is an important thing, we're gonna pay people a lot of money to do it. I think that is one of the main issues with the pay gap or in the opportunity and the resources and the status and the view of a lot of different um a lot of different people i guess um and when it comes to teachers and i know this is a highly complex issue but and just economy and money is complex but in general teaching is one of the women dominated fields but if you ask anybody <laughs> about a teacher, underpaid, overworked, they deserve this much, blah, 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 they should be six figures, blah, 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 all this stuff. But it's like, okay, and if it were all men in that field, I think that there would be more done about it, Whether, whatever level you want to say. And then I'm not saying it's like because women can't unionize and do these things. I'm saying it's because there's a group of men in general or men in general are who has the power, are who created the system for themselves. And when it comes to like, if you think I'm just like, oh, like men are really good at economics and women aren't at all. I don't think that necessarily either. What I do think though, is men are monopolizing the power. They're creating kind of um, firewalls in front of people to make things harder. Like for example, our society, since you're a young girl, you're not groomed to be an economist. You're not groomed to be a super active person. You're groomed to be pretty and to sit and be quiet and be looked at. And everything that we tell young girls is, you're so beautiful. And, I, and it actually surprises me now because now I'm around kids again because I'm 28. So I'm starting to get around like friends who have kids and they still say the same stuff. I was like, whoa, like I thought we grew out of this. I thought our generation would, would like talk to kids more gender neutral and like specifically try to make women powerful or young girls powerful and take up space. And I'm not seeing that. So it's really discouraging that we're just kind of, in my mind, we're in this vicious cycle. And obviously power is not going to give up power without a fight. So I'm kind of bouncing all over in different places now, but I'm just kind of lay out my process of thinking, yes, I do care. I am growing more and more despondent as I get older and see not very much change, similar to my girl, Simone de Beauvoir. And she was kind of getting older. She was like, I'm not really seeing much change. We're fighting the same issues 40 years later. And I, I'm just seeing the same thing in my short years. And I think in general, humans are on a better trajectory to get equity for all whether you're poor, rich, black, white, et cetera, woman, man, et cetera. But um, I don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. All I, I just was like, I'm trying to figure out how do we develop as a species and as a culture in America specifically to 
care about the person first and not the profit. And it seems like men and testosterone, if you want to look into the science, have a tendency to pursue achievement and action and like things like money, resource mm -hmm. accumulation, as opposed to being like, this is a human being, let's pursue them and help them grow as, as opposed to like our bank accounts. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot there. Uh, I'd like to, I think, uh, touch on some of the things that you, you just said with some, some findings. And again, it's, it's hard to tell, uh, what is more, uh, like manly or more womanly because there is a lot of like these sociocultural factors and versus genetic factors as well. Um, but one, one kind of, uh, uh, just what stuck out at the very end there was you're, you're talking about the value judgment of growing the bank accounts versus investing in the people and, and caring more about the, the human behind it. Uh, one, distinction that has been uh, kind of studied and showed across um, is that uh, men tend to be drawn to more thing-oriented uh, professions and women tend to be drawn towards more uh, more like helping and empathy-driven professions um, and I'll let Lauren, give me that glare, but I'm just gonna say that that's that tends to be the case, um, and I, I don't know how if it's because they choose that or if it's because it's something natural in them. But I, yeah, I'm I'm just I don't know why she's looking at me so angrily or whatever it is or suspicious, but I'll let her, <laughs> I'll let her take the floor. You said thing oriented versus what? People oriented. Huh. Okay. I just. I, I disagree, and I think... Do you like working with the Wi-Fi? I think that... <laughs> Anecdotal evidence. <laughs> <laughs> For the win. <laughs> Funny, I'm having a gender conversation in a male-dominated room. <laughs> Clearly. Um, so there's a couple things that I want to say without getting hung up on, on that, and I'll encourage you, Aiden, to just sit a little taller while while we're having this conversation because it's okay if I look at you a certain way, just like it's okay if you look at me a certain way. And if I look at you a certain way and you assume that I'm angry, there might be something gendered in there, in Genderedness. that of and of <laughs> itself, okay? So um, I think first I'll respond to what you just said a little bit more in that, yes, men have dominated Yes, men have decided, um, and yes, men have created the words that we use to decide what's important and what's not. Should, should not people-centered be important? And if something were thing-centered or whatever you said, object-centered, could that not also be important for people if the focus were people? And I think that that should undo those categories in and of itself. Now I want to respond a bit to what Dre was saying um, a few different things that I disagree with. One, I think an equitable society for men and women is certainly achievable. There's a lot to be done. And 
not only is it just achievable as a goal that might be like a B plus, but I think an A plus society is achievable for men and for women. And I have some ideas on how we could get there. Um, and outside of that too, while I appreciate the contention and, and the intention um, in the conversation, I just, I think saying that it's complicated and then continuing to dominate the conversation as men and then not not asking or like pushing ourselves for something better is is lackluster is not great so a couple things that i think that we could do to to do better to achieve an a plus society for men and women first and foremost would be to change the conversation and to decide to place more value on on women in the workplace um, and on women at home. So one of the things that we use to measure gender equity is the gender equity index. And this will measure gender equity across different countries. And the United States doesn't score great. <laughs> um, but I think that we could score better because I think working at home or being a stay-at-home mom is work. Um, and is honorable and is not just people-centric but is thing-centric too um, and I think that would be a great place to start and then like you guys did say and I do agree with the emphasis on money over people and if that were different this whole conversation would be different um, I just want to say that yeah I agree that we live in a society where money has dominated primarily especially in the united states um while and in other capitalistic societies as well and that i think is a huge huge problem that's contributing to the conversation because the conversation would look so different if men and women had equal time off if they had kids the conversation would look different if men and women were promoted as readily the conversation would look different if women who who ruled with an iron fist as a manager weren't just a bitch, but they were, in fact, um, assertive. Um, and so there are so many pieces of what we're talking about that I think just need a little more unpacking that, oh, this conversation is hard to have in like 50 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I just want to say that it, we're, we're all on the same side and we're all like, I am for like equity or equality of opportunity. Like I am for a flourishing society where everybody can be their best self. So I am in no way, I was in no way trying to, yeah, justify how things are and, and that's how they should continue to be. Um, and one, one note to what you were uh, saying Lauren as well as uh, what and to Dre with uh, Simone de Beauvoir uh, one like point or place that to look at look to that is uh, like a, a space for some optimism is to look at other societies around the world today and so places like uh, primarily Scandinavia is upheld as an example and it, it is for good reason I think in that uh, in 
is it Norway where men and women each receive six months of paid time off? Um, or I think it's a year for both parents and they can split it up however they'd like. So there are instances where there, where, where there is um, more equity of, of opportunity. And I think that's something that should be adopted in the US as well. Um, another like concrete example of, of ways that we could uh, progress towards more equity of opportunity that I see that could help uh, a number of different peoples, in, including the including women, um, is a like the Andrew Yang's freedom dividend. In other words, universal basic income, uh, because like Lauren said, child rearing is work and it is hard, and I believe that mothers should have some financial independence in and of that. Um, but yeah, anyways, I just wanted to, to say that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's valuable um, for this conversation. Absolutely valuable. Dre, anything to add? No, not really. I mean, I'm definitely for UBI. I'm for um, definitely maternity and paternity leave. Um, definitely for some sort of, I don't know what they call it, maternity compensation, I don't know what they call it, but for some sort of payment. Um, I think that is one of the biggest um, crimes and acts of, I don't know what the thievery or whatever it is, is not paying people. Um, it is not like kind of any sort of reimbursement or anything for being a mother and doing something that we obviously, I don't know, like we all need that. Like, that's, like it's so hard, it's so time consuming. Um, I think that is pretty ridiculous in our society. I just don't really know how to, I haven't studied it, so I'm sure there's people with a lot of great ideas, so I don't mm -hmm. know in my head, I can't conceptualize exactly what do you do with that information? What do you do with that situation, specifically with somebody who is like, like what if someone was just like, oh, like, if they're, they're going to pay me to have kids, I'm going to have a bunch of kids or whatever it is, you know? It's just like, what do you do with that in a society? Um, mm -hmm. So I don't, like I said, I'm sure there's bright minds who are actually studying this. Maybe you guys know more. I just don't really know exactly, but I'm definitely for something along that. Um, it's just like in that vein for sure. Um, and just, yeah, UBI for sure. There needs to be some sort of level of some safety net that's higher than our own in general. Yeah, I agree. And we're, we're about time on our cast. Uh, so Lauren, if you want to close <laughs> us off and, and have any closing remarks. I we started with biology, and so what we can end with some biology, <laughs> and I'll get to that. But I, I, there are a lot of bright minds working on this issue, specifically in the U.S., and it's estimated after the pandemic that women in the workforce and women, women in general will have gone backwards at least 50 years. Some people are saying, some research is saying, on how far we had come uh, in our independence monetarily and in success and all of those terms are loaded terms right because they're baked with our society which is huge right so take that with some some weight you'll have to do your own common science and figure some of that out but I think at the end of the day if we are willing to ask these questions if we're willing to have this conversation with your within your families at your work to talk about and discern where and what pieces of my life are gendered 
and where and how is this serving me? Is this serving my spouse or my significant other? Will this be serving my future children if that's something that you're wanting in life? And beginning with those questions, I think even at the individual level can do a lot of good. You know, am I okay with these gender roles in my relationship? Am I happy to be the breadwinner as the man? Is that expectation okay with me? Um, And beginning there as a common scientist, right, is how you can make a change in your own life and begin to hopefully invite others to see change as well, right? So I think that's kind of the message for, for common science. And then I will just say too that, again, I said I'd end with biology. So this is also from Foster Sterling, genius in, in my biased opinion, but in newborn individual nerve cells, they're, they're pretty straight. But by adulthood, there's an exuberance of branches as much as 800 times more than at birth. And if you think about that, so we're talking about 800 times more cells from birth to adulthood in your brain, that's, that's a ton of ways that our society and learned behavior can influence how we talk about, how we feel about, um, and how our society functions as a gendered society. And so I think starting early, having the conversation, talking about the complexity are all areas that we can do better in our personal lives. And starting from there, I hope that we would be able to see change.